Chapter 33 of Mabel Ross, The Sewing Girl. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 33 The Rag Merchants The next day found little Lily in a particularly feeble condition, the result of the terror and excitement of the preceding evening. Mabel was quiet and anxious, Hilda, on the contrary, more than usually active and talkative. You won't let that ugly bad man come again, Mabel, pleaded Lily, as she took a little of the hot tea prepared by her sister. You won't let him turn me out and take my bed? No one shall touch you, my darling. Mabel will guard you from everything. But say he shan't come again, Mabel. I want to hear you say that. He certainly shall not harm you, my precious. And I say he shan't come. Very positively, said Hilda. Make sure of that, Lily, dear. The old Brumbley comes here no more. I'm so glad, said Lily, with a little sigh of relief. And Hilda, Mabel, will the visitor of the first floor come instead? We all hope she may, darling, Mabel replied. I'll stop as I go out and see if Mrs. Moppet's home yet, said Hilda. I'm hurrying breakfast, you know, to get out early. I promised to see old Brumbley, Mabel, and I shall see him. Mabel looked her surprise across the little table where they sat. To what purpose, you would ask, observed Hilda, replying to the look. Well, well, I'm going to pacify him, or defy him, as I said I would. Make yourself and Lily easy as you can, Mabel. With or without a miracle, God is going to help us out of this trouble. She abruptly left the breakfast table, her bread and potatoes but half eaten, and having hurriedly kissed her sisters, went to the closet to make her preparations for going out. She put on her hat and an old sack which she had the evening before mended up then carefully made into a bundle the merino dress and good shawl given her by her cousin Algin. Not sure that she could effect her escape from the room with this bundle, which was a sizable one, without attracting the notice of Mabel or the child, she became so nervous and embarrassed as almost to draw upon herself the attention she was so desirous to avoid. And when, finally, she found herself on the outside of the chamber door, with her purpose accomplished, she was quite trembling with agitation. According to the promise made Lily, she stopped at the door of Mrs. Moppet's room, knocking several times, and making quite sure she really was not there before leaving the house. Mrs. Moppet evidently was still from home, however, and a glance at the outside of the house showed the windows still tightly closed, as when she had made her observations before. As Hilda was on the point of closing the house door, a cart appeared at the turn of the near corner, and the well-known cry of the ragman struck on her ear. The cart and driver were frequent visitors to the neighborhood, being the same that little Lily had watched with such interest from the window. There had also been a period of great moment to the little girl in connection with this establishment, and that was when every old matter that could prudently be dispensed with Having been carefully looked up and gathered together by Mabel and Hilda, the grand occasion came when they were disposed of to the itinerant merchants. To have the rag firm stop beneath their own window, to see their own bundles carried out by Hilda, and, after being weighed, thrown with the rest into the cart, and then to have Hilda return, 
in a little flutter of delight, and present Mabel with the whole of seven shillings as the purchase money of their gatherings. Oh, it formed altogether a scene never to be forgotten by the poor crippled child, whose days were passed in such monotony and privation in that close little room. As has been said, the appearance of the rag merchants took place at the moment Hilda was about to leave the house. Moreover, it stayed her departure. Most opportune seemed to her their coming, for it was likely to save her much time and trouble. The man looked straight forward over the ears of his horse, an animal in perfect keeping with the rest of the turnout, and in a voice of one intonation, called out the magic monosyllable, Rags! From behind, invariably followed an echo of the same, though delivered in a much higher pitch, while for the drawl of the first was substituted a little, short, blunt style of enunciation, which coming so immediately after the lengthened one produced a particularly ludicrous effect. The second speaker was a small boy, unquestionably the son of the driver, and in every respect a curious counterpart of him, who sat in the body of the cart, surrounded by the ill-looking, stuffed-out and leaky bags generally to be seen in company with business people of this description. No words can describe the total apathy which seemed to have taken possession of not only the man and boy, but of the horse as well. One might have fancied all three to be in performance of some dreary penance of no possible interest to themselves, and which was such an old story with them that it had come to be performed in mechanical unconsciousness. Waiting till the cart dragged its weary way to the house, Hilda made a sign to the driver to stop. Rags, he cried, catching the signal from the corner of his eye and mechanically coming to a standstill. And, Rags, echoed the little urchin from the rear, his eyes never moving from the old, high-crowned hat worn by his father, which seemed the guiding point by which he steered. Hilda passed down to the curb, from whence she gave a hurried glance up to the window of their little room. The survey seemed satisfactory, and she turned to address the rag merchant. Can you direct me to any place where they buy second-hand clothing? She asked. Dresses and shawls and things of that sort. The man brought his regards from over the ears of his horse to the face of the speaker. It appeared to take some time for the meaning of her words to be duly appreciated, for something near a minute elapsed before he replied. My old woman buys em. She have a store on Clark and 22nd. I buys em too sometimes. Then you can tell me what these I have here are worth, rejoined Hilda, but you must come into the house to look at them. The man stared at her, then slowly got down from his seat and followed her into the house. Hilda opened her bundle and tremblingly displayed her merino dress and shawl, each of which, in turn, the man examined with critical eye. Having held them up and looked through them, then brought them to close inspection, then again held them off and squinted at them, he returned them to their owner. Do you mean to sell them both? he asked. Yes, but I want a good price for them, the very best you can offer. I might give you five dollars for them. I'll take it. The poor girl spoke the words so quickly that any other than the slow person with whom she was dealing must have seen the price named was far more than she had looked for. If he saw it, he was either too apathetic 
or too honest to take advantage of it, for he quietly took from his pocket a greasy portemonnaie, and having extracted from it the sum named, in good one-dollar greenbacks, he placed them in Hilda's hand. Hilda could not receive them so silently as they were given. A ready, thank you, bursting from her lips. The man looked at her curiously for a moment, then quietly rolled up the dress and shawl and tucked them under his arm. About to pass out, he stopped, and giving a rap with the back of his hand to the door of the first floor, said, She's away, gone a nursin to a sick woman. Do you know her? asked Hilda, rather quickly, for she was thinking of little Lily and her interest in the visitor of Mrs. Moppet. I mean, do you know Mrs. Moppet? I know her, cause I know the woman she's a nursin. Barbara Strand's bout the best woman breathin'. She did for my old woman and the two twins when all three was a-dyin', and after that I'll member her to my last day. And is it Barbara Strand who is sick? questioned Hilda. Yes, sick enough. My old woman's put out for fear she die. Never was no woman better nor Barbara Strand. I'm very sorry to hear she's sick, said Hilda, now quite satisfied that this Barbara was no other than their interesting visitor. She came to see us a while ago and promised to come again. We have all been looking for her since, but most of all my little sister, who is very sick. Ah, she takes to children, Barbara does, returned the man. Especially children that's sick. Never see nothing like Barbara with sick little ones. Maybe my old woman be saying to her, for once in a while she gets seen of her, how the little one, your sister, looks for her. Barbara don't forget none of the sick children she sees. I wish you would have your wife tell her, said Hilda, surprised at the man's readiness to talk on this one subject, and a little, too, at her own willingness to fall into the colloquy. I would like Mrs. Strand to know that we have none of us forgotten her. The ragman nodded his head, hitched up his bundle, and again was on the point of leaving. Then, pausing once more, he significantly touched the bundle, and looking over his shoulder at Hilda, said, There's something more nor sickness the matter when it comes to this. I've seen such things, and I know. But it's none of my business, course to none of my business. Before Hilda could recover from her surprise at these words, the rag merchant was at his cart, stowing away in a safe corner his new purchase. She stood looking at him until the establishment began to move off, then closed the door behind her and sped away in the direction of Brumbley's office. She heard the cart moving on through little crowded Polk Street, and the cry of the rag merchants renewed. But it was like something she had no concern in now. She never thought of her good merino dress and warm double shawl, the only good clothing she had owned, hidden in a corner of the ragman's cart. She never looked to how she was to get through that pinching cold winter without them. Her mind was on the five dollars which, with what she had brought away from Mabel, 
was more than enough for the rent, and that she carried within the old glove on her hand. "'I hold you between my thumb and finger,' the house agent had said to her the evening before. "'I now hold him in the hollow of my hand,' said the young girl to herself now. "'Yes, the seven dollars will buy him. His mean soul will succumb before it. He may be crabbed and cross, bearish and savage, but his power to molest us is passed from him. Dear Mabel and darling little Lily may breathe freely again. For one month at least we can defy him.' About an hour later she returned, and hurrying up to the room, silently placed in Mabel's hand Brumbley's receipt for the coming month's rent. "'My dear sister, this is welcome indeed,' exclaimed Mabel. "'I have scarcely permitted myself to think how time was passing, how every minute was bringing us nearer that terrible eight o'clock. But say, dear Hilda, how did you get the money?' "'By a miracle, maybe,' Hilda gaily replied, stooping to kiss her sister's cheek. "'But see, we're not left penniless by this mighty rent-paying. Here's something to begin again on.' And she placed in Mabel's hand the residue of the money. Mabel looked surprised and not a little anxious, too. "'But seriously, dear Hilda, how did you come by it?' "'Seriously, Mabel, I came by it honestly,' Hilda replied. "'Honestly enough to satisfy even your fastidious fancy.' There is no need to be more explicit at present. You must exercise a little of your faith in my favor. And now I must tell you how our old enemy received me and the money. She then related how she had continued to hold with him the high hand she had taken the evening before, how he had affected to be agreeably surprised when she knew he was really sadly disappointed at her fulfilling of her promise how he had snarlingly said it was as well she should know, in consideration of the future, that he had laid his plans for fulfillment of his promise by quarter after eight that morning, and how, after getting her receipt for the rent money, she had given him a little bit of her mind and come away. "'Let us be thankful that God has relieved us in our great trouble,' said Mabel. "'I do not question you further, dear Hilda,' about how you have come by the money, but leave you to tell me in your own time. End of chapter 33